you got to understand you've got to deal with it and you want to make sure that you don't get financially hurt as, as much as possible. Hello and welcome to Pillars of Wealth Creation, where we talk about creating financial success with a special focus on business and real estate. I'm your host, Todd Dexheimer. Now, let's get to it. Hello and welcome back to Pillars of Wealth Creation. I'm your host, Todd Dexheimer. With me, as always, we got Matt Jones. Matt, how are you doing today? I'm doing pretty good. How about you, Todd? I'm doing well. Just got back from uh, a tour a tour of properties. So I went to... Uh, went to Louisville, Lexington, and uh, Memphis and toured our properties there. And it's great to get eyes on properties. You know, it's, it's, you got these contractors that are working on properties. We got people working on our properties all. So I've got, we've got one property in in Louisville, um, 228 units that we're renovating. We got a lot of units we're doing right now. We got um, one property in Lexington, we're doing uh, 124 units, we're renovating, we've got a lot of units going on right now. Um, another, another property in Lexington, we're not really doing much to just a couple little minor things. Um, and then we've got two properties in Memphis that we're doing big renovations to another one there as well that we're not really doing anything, just kind of just minor unit turns. So, so didn't, didn't spend much time at, at the ones that aren't, you know, having big projects going on, but it's not really nice, Matt, getting your eyes on these projects, you know, whether you're in state or out of state, it's sometimes too easy to, to uh, just assume everybody's doing their job. So, and it was nice to get there. Nice to see things going on and, and, you know, seeing what the contractors are doing right and doing wrong. And so I had some good conversations uh, on, on Monday, I had uh, two contractors I had to remote. Uh, one contractor uh, was, we, we took down these exterior on these decks, these half walls. So we took down these well, the half walls are super ugly. Just it walk up the stairs, the tents walk up these stairs and they can go left or right. And, and it, you know, if they go left, it'll bring them to their unit or right. They'll bring them to your, depending on what side they're on. Right. And, but it's these like half walls. And so it, it just looks terrible. You can't, you can't like, it just looks bad and people are put put stuff there and it's just so i'm like we got to get rid of these stupid half walls and put some nice railings up so it looks like a deck because it's a deck that they're walking on so i wanted railings so that anyway so that's what we're doing so we're tearing down these half walls and we're putting up these railings and i walk i get there and i'm looking at these railings and i'm like what 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 are these guys doing like what are you doing you you took the half wall down and when you took the half wall down you exposed the two by four framing Okay, but you didn't cover, you didn't trim out the two by four framing. You didn't cover up the two by four framing. There's a, there's a one by six at the top that comes down, but then where the railing came, they just have exposed two by four. And then there's a nice like inch and a half gap. And then there's the siding. I'm like, what do you guys do? Like, what are you doing? Like, you can't do this. Well, you know, I'm, I'm like, what? What made you think of making this decision? Well, we didn't know it was behind that, you know, before we came up with the pricing. I'm like, well, you knew there was, you you knew it wasn't a finished piece of trim. Like you knew that wasn't the case. And even if it was, it'd be trashed because it, it had nails and screws in it, right? So you knew you couldn't just keep what was behind there. So like, 
what do you, what do you mean? Like, well, we didn't price that out. I'm like, no, that's, that's, that's not an excuse. Like you, you can't, you have to do things right. So like, you got to tear all these off and you got to do them right. That that's the only thing that you're going to do. But without me being there, you know, you, you just wouldn't see it. The project would be done. These people would be paid. They'd be out and they're not going to come back. Now they also, or we owe them money and they're going to do it right. And if they don't want to do it right, they're not going to get paid. Right. And so you got to get your eyes on these projects. The the other one too, was an, again, a contractor. And as I'm talking about the quality, the, the quality of these units were, were great. Okay. And then I come back this time and the quality has completely dropped. That contractor took some other jobs, some insurance work. They moved their crews there and got a couple of new crews. Well, these new crews weren't paying attention. Also, they weren't paying attention. And so no, you know, nobody's paying attention. So when, you know, when the owner's out to play and not there, you know, what, what happens? They think they can get by with whatever. So we walk through these units and looking at the quality and the lack thereof, you know, there's paint splatters, there's paint <laughs> runs, there's flashing of, uh, of paint. There's, you know, the, the kitchen cabinets aren't aligned properly, you know, things like that. And, and it's just like, you know, look, you know, this isn't acceptable. Would, would, if, would you be happy if this happened to your home? Well, no. Okay. This is somebody else's home. This isn't, this isn't your home, but this is somebody else's home and they're paying us good rent to live here. Do you feel like it's appropriate to have these units look like this? You know, and so the, the, those are the things you need to be aware of. And I think too often too, people just kind of allow that stuff to slide. They don't want to be confrontational. You, you can do it without being a, a jerk, right? Without being an a-hole to them. But you, you need to stand your ground. And you need to make sure for me, it's look, like I said, these, these residents, they're paying me good money, right? They're taking their paycheck and they're allotting a specific amount. A lot of times a third of their paycheck is going to pay me to live in this property. And so if I'm not providing them with value, like how do I expect to get good people in there that want to continue to pay? I can't. Right. So that's, that's my opinion. And there's a lot of contractors out there. There's a lot of property owners too, that are out there, but there's a lot of contractors out there that know you're working on a rental property, of course, because you got a 124 unit apartment. What else is it? Right. So they know they're working on a rental property and they say, well, it's just a tenant. Ah, you know, just, it's just a tenant. Like they have that mentality of it's good enough. And you got to make sure that that contractor, A, doesn't have that mentality and B, that they don't start to develop that mentality as they're working on your property. Yeah, that the, it's just a rental uh, idea that uh, like, oh, you don't have to do a good job because who cares? Yeah, it just, it just, there, there's nothing, I mean, I shouldn't say nothing more. There's plenty of stuff that makes me irritated, but that makes me irritated when people have that mentality. Oh, it's just, ah, oh, it's just a rental. It's good enough. No. No, the, it, if you would allow this in your own home, it doesn't mean that we need to put in the best of the best of the best, right? But if you wouldn't allow a bunch of paint runs, if you hired a contractor and he had paint runs in your own homes, don't don't you think you'd be pretty irritated, right? Yeah, definitely. Like you expect better for your own house. So why do you expect worse for one of your rental properties? You shouldn't. Hold their feet to the fire. Make sure that they're actually doing what you're paying them for, right? You're paying them good money. 
make yeah, sure I, th you I, th I think you had a good point there about advocating for yourself as well as for your uh, residents' needs. I mean, the I like the old adage, the squeaky wheel gets the grease. You know, I grew up with that old Midwest uh, mentality of, you know, uh, you know, being nice. And if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say it at all. Right. But uh, at the same time, if you if you just try to ignore the problem and hopefully it goes away, it's not going to go away. Like these contractors are if they're doing a sloppy job, they're not going to all of a sudden correct that and do better. You got to be the voice that makes that happen. Yep, absolutely. You know, if yeah, if you don't care for your property. Nobody else will. You can't expect it. You can't expect as an ownership group, other people to care more than you. It's just not, it's just not going to happen. You know, it, it just, I think uh, Gary, Gary V, you know, rants about that too. You know, people are like, ask him, well, how, how do you get your employees to, you know, have the same type of passion as you? Well, don't make them your employees, make them, make them your, an owner. Then if you expect somebody to have the same passion as you, they have to be an owner. And so if, if you expect all your employees to have, well, then just give, give everybody your company. That's not going to happen. Right. So you can't expect them to have the same passion as you, but you can exact expect results and you can hold their feet to the fire. You can make sure you're clear about your objectives and make sure that they're the right fit. And if they're not get rid of them. So that's another perfect example. So we've got a contractor in one of our, other properties. And this contractor, um, you know, of course promised that he was going to be awesome. And, and so we, we actually had two contracts. We have two contractors. Happily we have two of them. Um, and, and so he's one of them and he's just not getting, their, they're not getting their units done and they're taking way too long to get their units done. The quality is okay, but not great. Um, and you know, the, on site and the regional and everybody's like kind of letting this go because we don't have a contractor that can jump on it and take over. And I'm like, okay, that's fine. You know, let them, let them take their time until we can get somebody to take over. Well, then I find out that this guy, that this contractor, not this guy, the people that are working for him are bad mouthing the property and us to the tenants said, well, we'd be out of here if we, if we, if they paid us and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, wait a second now. You've got a can't, we got a cancer on our, on our, in our, in our property. Like we have to get rid of them. So that's what, that's what I said. Uh, the second I heard that, I'm like, they're fired. Get rid of them today. Like, I don't care. Well, they're almost done. No, get rid of them. They're cancer. Get them off of the property right now. We can't have that out of their property. And by the way, we haven't paid them. Why haven't we paid them? Because they haven't finished our units and they're billing us for units that are finished. I'm not going to pay you to for a unit that's not finished. It, you know, it doesn't work that way. I'm not going to pay, prepay you. I'm not going to prepay you, finish your unit, and then you'll get paid. Um, then how do you handle it if they put a mechanical lien on you? Well, yeah, that, that's a good question. So, the, and that can get tricky, right? They, they can certainly file a mechanics lien on us. And, uh, and then we have to, fight back you know they they haven't finished their the units um you know we're gonna pay them for the work they've completed but what that's a that's a whole nother topic matt but it's, it's good Let, let's talk quick about that so if you have a contractor that's working on your property and doesn't finish the job what do you do okay for me um depends on what you owe them right so let, let's just say you haven't paid them yet for the project and they're three quarters of the way down about okay and they're demanding money. 
what I would do is I would pay them a portion of that money, uh, depending on exactly how far, but if it was three quarters of the way done, I'd maybe pay them about a third to maybe up to a half of what we owe them. Okay. And then I would wait to pay them any, any more than that. And I would have that unit completed by another contractor. And I would then take that invoice that I got from the other contractor and I'd use that to do, to deduct what I would have paid them, paid this first contractor. So, cause it's always going to cost me, even if it's a, thir- a, a a quarter of the units left. And let's say that quarter um, allocates to be, you know, $2,000. The new contract that has come in, is going to charge me more than $2,000 likely to finish because they're jumping in midstream they got to figure out what's going on in the project they got to source material or understand where the material is and all that kind of stuff so it's probably gonna cost me more like 2500 2800 dollars so i'm gonna i'm gonna take all of that off there and i'm just send them their final payment with a copy of the invoice that i got from the other contractor and say here here you go um and depending on exactly what happened, I might even send them less if it's if it was a big timeline issue or depending on a quality issue or something like that, we might send them less. Now, mechanics lien, again, you're, you're going to have to, I would first try to negotiate with them, talk with them about that, get the mechanics lien off. Um, I, I would withhold any final payment until they agree to release that. So again, if you owe them, if, if they did this project and you owe them $100,000 in total, and you fire them and they file mechanics lien right away, then that's a perfect negotiating tool. Look, I'll I'll pay you. Here's what we're going to pay you. But you have to release your mechanics lien. And, and, you know. But if they don't agree to that, um, don't pay them. And you know, if you can't figure out how to negotiate with them, it, then well, worst case is you have to get attorneys involved. But we try to solve everything without attorneys. Like that's that that's the last case scenarios we get attorneys involved and even with the attorney like we try not to go to court we don't we're not gonna, we're gonna have the attorney write a letter first and try that route like the last thing i want to do is go to court with somebody over something um but then we've never had to yeah. and this isn't like this isn't like a constant thing matt this isn't like we're doing this you know, every single project, five times a project, you know? <laughs> this is, you're, you're hoping not to do this very often, but it's just a reality of the business. That's just uh, what's going to happen. You're going to stumble upon some bad contractors. You're going to stumble along bad people all along the way, uh, bad property managers, bad contractors and so on. But you got to understand, you've got to deal with it and you want to make sure that you don't get financially hurt as, as much as possible. So so the moral of the story is don't pay a contractor 100% upfront. Oh yeah, never never even consider that. We don't really do down payments. We might do down payment on materials, we might pay materials, but we don't do down payments on labor ever. So if if we have material drop and that, and that's a requirement, yeah, we'll we'll pay materials or or usually not the whole materials either. We'll pay a portion of the materials um and then we'll pay labor as work's completed. And we don't like to make a bunch of payments. If a contractor can't float, they're probably not the right contractor for us. 
Hey, real quick, I want to tell you about a networking opportunity that Todd and I are hosting tomorrow, Thursday, March 30th, starting at 5.30 p.m. at Insight Brewing in Northeast Minneapolis. We'll be putting on a networking happy hour for other real estate investors. So come join us. I'll put a link to the information in the show notes. Now, let's get back to the episode. But anyways, back to the uh, original, uh, just getting the other thing with getting into these properties that's super valuable is we're able to talk to our staff and we're able to figure out what's going right and wrong. Uh, we're able to talk to the maintenance people. What are the issues going on with the property? Um, it's nice. I love meeting my maintenance people, asking them the questions. I love seeing who my good maintenance people are and who my bad ones are too. It's really one of the, the telltale signs if you got a good maintenance person is they come into the office and they talk to you or you meet them wherever on the property. And once you have that conversation with them, make sure you have another conversation with somebody else nearby, whether it's uh, your asset manager that's with you or your partners that are with you, or maybe it's uh, maybe it's the, the on-site staff that's with you. But if they're with you after you're done with the contractor, say thanks or sorry, not contractor, maintenance person, or contractor too, but maintenance person say thanks, you know, Great update, and then start talking to that other person. Let's call it the, the on-site manager, and see what the maintenance person does. If the maintenance person just hangs out with you guys for a long, long time, you know it's probably not a good maintenance person. You know they're probably not putting their time and effort into your property. If they leave and go to work on the property, that's a telltale sign that they're quality and that they are self-driven. So a perfect example, we had a, a prop. We had two properties we were at in Lexington. One of them, maintenance person introduces himself, asks him a few questions, and then we're talking with the, the on-site um, leasing agent and, or leasing staff. And within you know 10 seconds of us changing from him to talking to her, he walks out the door and starts doing his work. Do right there. I'm like, this guy is dynamite, you know? Yeah. The next property we go to, the guy follows us around the entire time. And I'm like, man, are we so sure about him? Like, let's, we need to keep an eye on this, this guy, make sure he's good. So, um, but it's good to, it's good to have that interaction. If you don't have that interaction, you don't know what's happening with the properties. You're just assuming everything is good or bad or whatever. And uh, it's good to have the interaction to understand who's really the performers on the property, who's maybe uh, needing some change or at least some direction. And it might, sometimes it's just direction, Matt. Sometimes it's not that they, you need change. Sometimes it's just that they, they don't have training. They don't have direction. Uh, they're lacking something. And a lot of times it's that talking with the regional manager and saying, Hey, what kind of training are these people getting? You know, are they even qualified to be here? Or that, you know, have you, have, have you, what have you done? And do you let them know you're coming on a particular day and time or do you just show up? Every once in a while we do just show up, but typically we let them know we're coming. Um, just showing up is nice, especially to see how the property is being cared for. Um, but I tell you what, it, it, you give them nice size notice and you show up to the property and it's a mess. You know, you know, it's a big time mess when you're not, when you're not there because they're, they're doing their best to impress you. So they've cleaned up, they've made it look nice. They're present, they're trying to be, give you a presentation. So uh, if it's a mess when you're there, it's a terrible mess when you're not there. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, that's a, that's a huge red flag, but yeah. Cool. Uh, well, so anyways, Matt, we are 
sitting here, I wanted to also talk about some stuff that's going kind of going on in the market. And uh, we've got, I've been talking to a lot of people who are doing capital raises right now. And the sentiment is the same. The market for capital raising switched very quickly. So we're in, we're doing a capital raise and it's a struggle compared to what it usually is. I mean, usually when we put out a capital raise, our investors respond very quickly. Uh, we get it raised extremely quickly. This one, uh, we're moving along. We're making progress, but it's definitely not nearly uh, filling out as quickly as, as it would, it, or usually would. And I would say this is as good or better of a property. Um, it's as good as anyone, right? It, it's, Maybe doesn't have as quite as much upside as some of the properties we've brought, but it almost has, in my opinion, it has very, very little downside. So in my opinion, it's a great property. But what happened is um, the banks, right? These banks collapsed. There's a lot of uncertainty in the market. Um, you know, you got some of the biggest bank collapses in history of the country uh, all going down and the talk of more coming and, uh, talk of recessions, you know, interest rates, um, you know, inflation, all that kind of stuff kind of come into a head all at the same time. And people are nervous. And so people, have, you know, people have put their pencils down. People have said, Hey, I'm going to just kind of save this money for a rainy day. Um, and so you got to understand that. So if you're sitting here, listening to this, you're thinking about raising capital, I would pull my investors first. I, I would, I would looking back, I would have said, Hey, you know, who's, who's interested, who's not, um, under trying to understand why. And I think that's maybe a good thing to do here and there, uh, is to pull and try to get to know your investors a little bit and what their, what their feelings are of the market and the timing and all that kind of stuff. But it's, it's definitely difficult. And again, like I've talked to quite a few capital raisers and, and the sentiment is the same, um, it's a challenge right now to raise capital. So just, I guess, more than anything, just a conversation of, hey, not it's not impossible. You can definitely raise money, but it's uh, the sentiment's different than it was even just a couple months ago. Yeah, I suspect people are worried uh, about what might happen in the market and and uh, the economy. You know, I don't know if it's a nothing burger. I, you know, maybe we already had the recession. Maybe we're in the recession right now. Maybe one's upcoming. You know, or maybe we're not going to have one for a while. I, I'm not really sure. But uh, with the bank issues that were recently happening, uh, you know, people are just concerned. Yeah, I mean, and these banks are. It's definitely something to be concerned about. Um, the the Fed essentially forces these banks to um, to have a very lean position. And so they don't have a lot of liquid capital. So for, for every, you know, for whatever they can, what is it? They can only have 10% of cash on, on hand. The rest of it has to be out. Um, there's been a couple of banks over the last, you know, decade or maybe it's been a couple decades, but that have tried to do a hundred percent of deposits in the bank. And the Fed says, no, Fed won't allow that. There was one bank that tried 50%. The bank said, or the Fed said, no, no. So they want, they want banks to be risky. They don't want banks to have a ton of cash on hand. They want them to use that cash to move that cash. Um, and a lot of banks were, you know, putting their, putting their money in these uh, kind of long-term treasuries and stuff like that, that, have changed and they needed money 
and they didn't have access to the same money as what they would have. You know, people, people had record, we had record deposits. Of course, what happened? Well, the government gave people a ton of money. So what are people going to do with their money? They didn't, they didn't need to spend it. They didn't want to spend it. So what did they do? They put it in banks. Well, now inflation's ripping. So what are they doing? They're taking it out of banks. So banks are, you know, had a massive amount of deposits and now they got less deposits. And so what happens? And then all of a sudden people start hearing that the bank's in trouble or seeing that the bank's in trouble and they freak out and they start taking more money out of banks. And so not, not only do you have this like slow movement of money, but all of a sudden, as it gets to a certain point, you get this fast movement of money and then, and then the bank is done. Right. And that's kind of what's been happening. And you got to wonder, is this going to continue to happen or is it, is it not? One of the things I like about real estate is it's not, I should, I can't say it's not affected by this, but it's, I think minimally affected negatively by this. Now, lending, there's going to be less lending potentially because of this, right? The lenders aren't going to be as open, especially if you're looking at your regional bank, your local bank, like they're not as open to lend because they need to maintain as much liquidity as possible, right? So that's where real estate's, but if you already have the loan, if you already have the property, if you've locked in, like we've locked into our loan, like, you know, this is not going to directly negatively affect us. Um, you know, our, our tenants have less than the 250, $250,000. You know, they're, they're all covered. Um, I don't think this is going to very much negatively affect our performance of our property. So it's actually, in my opinion, kind of a safe haven, safe place to put your money uh, is in a real asset. Well, you've got me sold. I completely agree. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You don't have to argue much with me, do, do you? Well, I mean, you saw, you see how Bitcoin responded. Yeah. You know, Bitcoin's up massively, right? And Bitcoin was down huge. Um, and now it's, now it's up to, I don't know, last time I checked, like a Bitcoin is worth like 27,000 and not very long ago, it was worth like 15 or 17 or something like that. You know, so that's responded. Gold, silver have responded. I mean, any hard asset, any real asset has responded and banks obviously are, are hurting. So, um, but, it, but anyways, um, I think that's, that's been a huge kind of, detriment to us doing a capital raise. I know it has. I mean, I've had plenty of investors tell me, you know, Hey, I'm just kind of holding on to money right now. Yeah. I mean, we'll have to see where things shake out with the economy, but I, I agree that uh, putting your capital into a real asset, like real estate is, is a good way to preserve your capital. Yep. Yep. It's funny when, when deals become, um, Plentiful money becomes sparse. And that's when money is plentiful, deals become sparse. And so uh, now that now that money is becoming sparse, I would, I'm saying deals are, are probably going to become plentiful. And they're, and I wouldn't say they're already becoming plentiful, but I, I can see that happening. So we'll see what happens. I'm, you know, the future is un unknown, but we're just going to keep on plugging away and uh, make sure we're mining our current assets. Make sure we're uh, taking care of those, you know, continually visiting them and uh, trying to improve them. And then 
always always on the outlook for the future yep whatever happens just keep rolling yes sir well pivot with the times you know mm-hmm. keep rolling but be be willing to to jump on the trampoline too <laughs> so cool matt well hey man i don't have anything else do you uh nope not today all right you have a fantastic rest of the day make everybody saturday thanks you too Hey, thanks so much for listening. I appreciate you being a loyal listener. Say, I would love to have you go on to our Facebook page and subscribe. Uh, Give us a thumbs up. Go on to iTunes or wherever you listen and give us a rating and review. Don't forget to subscribe. Your rating review just helps us push this out to more and more people and continue to grow our audience and hopefully positively affect a ton of people out there that really need this and and want this. So uh, the other thing I've got for you is a free ebook on my website. So go on to VentureDProperties.com, VentureDProperties.com and download our free ebook uh, on real estate and on syndication. And I've got some data points in there, some really good stuff for you. So I'd love to have you take a look at that. It's free. I'm not expecting anything from it. Uh, and, and also, look, if you want some help in multifamily, want some help learning, growing, getting your business off the ground, I would love to talk to you about what it would look like uh, to work with me potentially and see if that's a good fit. So you can go to coachwithdex.com and check that out, and uh, we can definitely have a, uh, a call. Thanks a lot for listening. You make it a fantastic rest of the day. I'll catch you on the next episode.